0: be understood as material or a story, but it doesn't go any deeper than that without the help of the Holy Spirit. So we thank you for your Spirit living within us, indwelling us, helping us to understand more about you and, and allowing into, to speak to our hearts uh, as the Word of God is shared, And I thank you that uh, it's not man that we rely upon. It's not any human intellect or any delivery or any sermon, perhaps, or lesson that's taught by men. It's the vessels that you that you're using and, and your word that you speak through that touches our hearts and our lives. And it's you that does it all. So we give you the praise, the honor, the glory Lord the all. We just ask that your grace and sufficiency do its work this evening by way of the Holy Spirit and your word, speaking to our hearts the way it should. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, first of all, as we come to uh, Nehemiah chapter 4, we, uh, Nehemiah, <laughs> Daniel chapter 4, I'll get it right in a moment. We've seen some great things happen. We've seen two great things happen, especially happen. We've seen the, uh, Uh, the revelation of the dream that the king had that nobody could interpret, nobody could give except Daniel, right? And God gave it to Daniel. Daniel uh, gave God a credit. We uh, also uh, saw where the three Hebrew uh, young men uh, who refused to uh, bend and bow uh, to the uh, the king was (coughs) thrown into the furnace and they did not burn. And there was a fourth in there with them. Uh, one as a, an angel, of the son of God. I believe it was a, a preincarnate Christ, but we uh, we know that he was in there protecting them, so they were delivered from that. And that was an awesome thing to see and experience, especially not only by the Hebrew children, but also by a either nation, and especially those that were in uh, you know power and uh, is, and the king uh, to, to be the ultimate one there. Uh, in power to see this and witness this. And so it had to have some effect upon it. But as we look at this, we see that uh, Daniel starts out in chapter 4, and here is Nebuchadnezzar, this is a few years later. Uh, The king, to all people, nations, and men of every language that live in all the earth, may your peace abound. It has seemed good to me to declare the signs and the wonders which the Most High God has done for me. Now who's saying this? The King, right? And, and how great are his signs, and how mighty are his wonders. And we're going to look at those two words and understand what he's saying there is a little bit better. And his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Now to, now to all peoples, peoples,
1: now that this was not
0: concerning uh, everyone throughout the world, but it, but it was uh, including those within his region. And uh, even though it wasn't global, it was within those within his region, under his domain. And so he's uh, talking to them.
1: And he begins in
0: verses 1 through 3, and he ends in verses 34 through 37 with Nebuchadnezzar offering praise to God. But those offering praises to God differ a little bit from the beginning and the end. Because in between that is a story about the uh, illustration that God gives us of humbling Nebuchadnezzar. So the praising at the first and the praising at the end, I believe, carry a little bit different weight than uh uh, are a little bit different ways with one another. So, as we look at this, we see that uh, in verses 2 and 3, uh, it says, uh, The language that live in all the earth may your peace abound. It has been seen, or it has seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High God has done for me. Nebuchadnezzar describes what he has witnessed. We've already talked about it. You know, these signs and wonders. And the word sign often carries the idea of a a, a miracle with a message. In other words, it's got a message there. Whereas the wonder here that's used refers to a miracle that evokes uh, amazement, if you will. And by that I mean that as we see God humbling Nebuchadnezzar in this chapter, it will become a miracle for sure it with a message. And the message being what? That God is awesome, that he's powerful, and that he's great. And that I understand even better than what I proclaimed at the first he will say, basically. And and the whole episode, including Nebuchadnezzar's restoration, would be a wonder. It will be amazing. And so, the most high God, again, Nebuchadnezzar refers to Yahweh as the most high God, the one true God, who has no competition, but that's not really what he's gotten to yet because he is one God among many with him right now. And so, but he is above all of them. He sees, he sees them as above all of them. And so, so how great are his signs, he says in verse 3. Uh, God, God gave Nebuchadnezzar a revelation of his awesome power. And that was with the dream being interpreted and also delivering of the three Hebrew uh, youth. And so uh, here was a, a an amazing sign. Uh, But God was not finished giving the revelation to Nebuchadnezzar. He would give further revelation to the king by allowing him to go through some humbling experiences like he's never experienced before for a period of time. And after that, he would recover. And we'll see this in the dream that uh, Daniel interprets later on in the chapter. But the, but the new revelation, Nebuchadnezzar learned through his experience that God's signs are great. And he'll learn them personally. And his wonders are mighty. His kingdom is eternal. He he'll, he'll, he reigns from generation to generation. So when Nebuchadnezzar said great are his signs, it was with the uh, recognition that signs always signal uh, something big, and so the sign and signal come from the uh, you know the word there from the same uh, root word, and so uh, in this case, God performed miracles, signs that signal what His identity as the one and only God, and this is what He was bringing Nebuchadnezzar to understand and see. how how mighty are his wonders in verse 3. God's miracles are wonders. uh, Because why? They're always amazing. I mean, if if we would just take time to look at the wonders of this world, we would see how amazing it is. And if people would just acknowledge this, you go back to Romans chapter 1, and you'll see that, that uh, man would not do this, but if man would do this instead of worshiping the creature rather than the uh, you know the creator, he would just worship the creator and look at the creation as the creation off from the creator. Then the, he would see the the wonders of it, and in amazement, it would help him understand and see God. So. How, How mighty His wonders are. Now, now uh, God performed these signs and wonders in, in Babylon to demonstrate that there is no other besides Him. There is no other God besides Him.
1: I mean, people can worship
0: nature, they can worship, uh, you know, uh, statues, they can worship people, they can worship anything they want to, but that if they truly want, to understand this world and this, uh, this history of the world and this plan for this world, then they must come to the point of seeing that God is the only God. And they must worship Him. And the only way that they're going to do that is allow their eyes to be open to God's signs and wonders. And we, uh, we also uh, see mentioned in verse 3 is an everlasting kingdom. In other words, human kings come and go. They rise and they fall. But God, as Nebuchadnezzar, when he goes mad, will realize that God's kingdom never will fall. God's kingdom is everlasting. His domain or dominion endures in verse 3. He speaks from first-hand experience in affirming that in contrast to human kings, whose dominion lasts only for a short while, God's last forever is everlasting. And moreover, no human ruler possesses any authority except by God's permission. And human rulers need to understand this. Human kings' uh, authority is derived from God himself. How many kings would still probably, or rulers, prime ministers, or whomever it might be that is controlling or ruling a certain country, might still be in leadership, a long-lasting leadership, if only they would humble themselves and realize that they're there because of God.
1: I mean, our president is there because of God.
0: He was placed there for a time. Now, if, now, if our nation, you know, doesn't learn from this, if our nation doesn't open their eyes to this, then he will place somebody else in there. And this is this is God. He'll allow this to happen.
1: Why? For our worst for our uh, you know,
0: uh, ill treatment or whatever. No, it's for us to realize that we are to be humble individuals. And that we're not to worship the one in Washington or any of them in Washington or any of them running for the position in Washington. We're to recognize God as the God of creation. That He's the sovereign one, that He rules, and He's the one that we're to worship. He alone. So Romans 13.2 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. That authority is allowed to any ruler because it comes from God. He has done it for a reason, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Nobody else, but by God. Isn't it great to know that our God's in control when, in control. when it seems like the world's out of control? When we don't know what's going, what's going to happen? When we don't know, you know, where we're going. When we we don't don't even know we will have a country in the next next 10 or 15 years. God God does. God God knows. God God knows what's going to happen. God knows where we're going.
1: So we better better start putting our
0: trust in God and praying to Him and and doing all we can to make what we have what God wants it to be. And not what we want it to.
1: When we're we're busy busy about doing
0: our own business and not paying attention to God and going our own ways and not paying attention to God and being apathetic about uh, the, the, the situation and everything around us, then we are not doing and following the Lord the way that we should. Doing what He would have us to do. and we're we're not obeying him and we're not submitting our lives to him matter of fact, a lot of us carry a lot of people that are are believers in Jesus Christ carry their uh, uh, go about their life I know that I do at times and and we get so busy who do we forget in all of it we forget God (laughs) and we need to remember God matter of fact you know when things are going good And when when things are are really really happening the way that you would like for them to happen. There's a danger danger there because who gets the credit credit? a lot of times? We do.
1: do. I mean, it's so easy easy to do. It's
0: so so easy for it to to happen. And And if we get the credit, eventually God will allow if we're not careful, something to come into our lives yep. that will humble us and let us realize who really is in control. And this, and this is, you know, you know, know he, he was, was letting Nebuchadnezzar No. In verse, in verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, it was, it was at so ease in my house. In other words, I mean, you know, where there had been conflicts and there had been wars and there had been uh, skirmishes. He was was now in his house and flourishing in my palace. Things were going good for him. I saw a dream and it made me fearful. And these fantasies as I lay on my bed and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. In other words, it wasn't that he had just maybe eaten too much before he went to bed and he was feeling bad. But God, the main thing, God was alarming him. God was awakening him to something. So I gave orders to bring into my presence all the wise men of Babylon that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the conjurers, the Chaldeans, and the diviners came in and I related it to them. The dream, the dream to them, but they could not make its interpretation known to me. Now, now what had he done before with these same guys?
1: Man, man he called me in, didn't he, with
0: the dream, and he, and he said, and he said tell, tell me the dream. And they said, "Nobody oh, can do that. And then and then Daniel, Daniel said, well, you know, God can, and so he gave him the dream, he gave him the interpretation. Well, it looks, well, it looks like, like he would learn, would he calls these same guys in now why do you think he called these same guys in well it could have been for two reasons number one is Daniel wasn't available he just didn't think about him. or number two maybe uh, he knew that these guys might give him a uh, thumbs up and a good interpretation of it he wanted something to ease his mind or it could have been some other reason just giving them a second chance And he even even told them to dream this time, didn't he? And And so they they, they failed again. So So they they couldn't not make known. And, And, uh, you know, so 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 where was Daniel? And And we'll we'll see that that he does call for Daniel. But Daniel, Daniel, you've got to remember, Daniel got a pay raise and a a position, you know, a higher position. And so he he was. You know, maybe off doing some kingly business for the king. And we don't know where he was, but he wasn't around for him to call right away, so he had him called in. But we need to to understand some things here. And one of the things that, that we need to understand is God is sovereignly reigning from heaven. Nebuchadnezzar needed to learn about God. And he needed to really learn about God personally. And we need to remember that God is sovereign. We need to believe that with all of our hearts. And sometimes it just doesn't seem that way.
1: And God's desire
0: is that human beings respond to His sovereign rule from heaven. And we don't always do that. And Nebuchadnezzar, he had not done that. And so he was going to get to Nebuchadnezzar, and he was going to let him know this. So, you know, recognizing God the way Nebuchadnezzar did doesn't necessarily mean that he has accepted God for who he is. Now, this is so very important because you see in the first few verses, what did he do? He lifted up God. People, we, we can have people Lift up God. Get caught up in the emotion and the moment. Even in churches. And not really recognize who He is. I mean the person.
1: They can get caught up in the
0: songs. They can sing. They can have a great time. And they may not be born again. So there, there's an importance here. Maybe can answer You know, he lifted up the king, king, our our God. But he he didn't lift him up as a believer at this time. And then then we see in in, uh, Nebuchadnezzar in verse 8, it says, says, But but finally, Daniel came in before me, whose name is Belshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is a spirit of the holy gods. And I related the dream to him, saying, O Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, since I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery baffles you, tell me the visions of my dream which I have seen along with its interpretation. Now these were the visions in my my mind as I lay on my bed. I was looking, and behold, there was a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. And we'll get into the description more so in just a moment, but I want you to see here. When the king originally invited wise men to interpret the second dream, Daniel was not among them. Daniel assigned or was assigned Babylon's name as Belshazzar, and his name means Baal protect his life or Baal protect the king's life. And this is very important. Because Daniel was very special to the king. And this meant that he, you know, that Nebuchadnezzar, his, it seemed like his favorite deity, well, was Baal. And so because he referred to it as the deity, my deity, my God, in other words. And Nebuchadnezzar continued to use this name. And it indicates that despite Yahweh's... Uh, open display of miracles, Nebuchadnezzar was somehow still a believer in other gods. And so, one wonders why Nebuchadnezzar didn't summon Daniel earlier. And maybe he knew that Daniel would tell him exactly what the dream meant, and he was afraid of knowing what the dream meant. But we will have to give him... Uh, you know benefit of doubt that he did ask Daniel to come he wanted to know and it says at last Daniel came in and so in whom is the spirit of the holy gods he describes Daniel so Nebuchadnezzar was not affirming that Daniel was filled with the Holy Spirit he didn't know you know uh, about the Holy Spirit and and, uh, you know the the indwelling of the Holy Spirit as believers in the New Testament know. He did not know that.
1: What he was saying was that your God
0: evidently has empowered you with some kind of special gift. And you can interpret dreams. And I know that you can because you did the first time. Uh, And and so he says, Chief of the magicians in verse 9. Now, Daniel did not call himself the chief of the magicians. This was apparently a title ascribed to him by pagans in battle. And uh, also it could be that, that Daniel was called chief of the magicians not because he was in authority over them, but rather because he was wiser and more discerning than them. So for whatever reason, whether they ascribed the name to him or uh, uh, he was wiser than them, and he was described in that way, or both, uh, we don't know. It says, "No difficult, uh, no mystery is, is too difficult for you." In verse nine, uh, and Nebuchadnezzar, he uh, he understood that Daniel could interpret anything that came his way because his God would reveal it to him. But he uh, kind of worded it the wrong way. He was giving credit to man instead of to his God. And so uh, God communicates the meaning to Daniel. Daniel doesn't come up with the meaning. And then in verses uh, uh, 11 through 12 or 10 through 12, we see the description of the uh, tree, the A tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. Now, for now, we simply, uh, you know, we're, we're going to just look at the details and not the interpretation that Daniel gives to it. We'll look at that later. But uh, Nebuchadnezzar sees a tree of great height, and the Bible often describes kingdoms or realms of, of, of kings uh, as trees. Uh, the Bible, uh, you know, uh, you can read about Syria, where the Bible says, "Behold, Syria was a cedar in Lebanon, beautiful branches and a far shade, uh, and a towering height is top among the clouds." And so, uh, Ezekiel 31.3, also in, in other places of the Bible, it's described, uh, kingdoms are described that way. Uh, so, it it, uh, it grew and became strong, it says. The tree became powerful and sturdy, abounding in strength. And that's the picture of Babylon. Its top reached to heaven. This is, of course, hyperbole. Uh, and it's purposely exaggerating. Uh, the point, this tree grew so tall that its top, metaphorically, reached in the heaven. Now, where else do we see that kind of language in the Old Testament? You remember in Genesis, the Tower of Babel? And uh, there it says, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we disperse over the face of the earth in 11, chapter 11, verse 4. So, visible to the ends of the earth, in other words, or the whole earth. And this, of course, was another hyperbole. I intended to make the point that the tree was so tall that it could be seen from far away. And, uh, of course, we know Babylon was. It was known from far away. It could be seen from far away. And then, and then in verse 12, its foliage was beautiful <coughs> and fruit uh, abundant. And in it was uh, food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the sky dwelt in its branches, and all the living creatures fed themselves from it. So the tree not only grew large, but it was powerful, and it provided for those around. Uh, And uh, it was abundant foliage and plenty of fruit, it says. And then in verses 13 through 18, a watcher comes on the scene. It says, and I was looking in the visions in my mind and as I lay on the bed and behold an angelic watcher, a holy one, ascended from heaven. He shouted out and spoke his follows. Chop down the tree and cut off its branches. Strip off its foliage and scatter its fruit. Let the beast flee from under it and the birds from its branches. Yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground. But with a brand of iron and bronze around it in the new grass of the field, And let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him share with the beast in the grass of the field. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let a beast's mind be given to him, and let seven periods of time pass over him. This sentence is by the decree of the angelic watchers, and the decision is a command of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whom he wishes. So So, it grew grew, and became strong and and powerful. Its It's top top reached the heaven. It's visible 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 to to the earth. But then there was a watcher, a holy one coming. And he said, this due to the tree. What? What? One of of the the primary purposes of the angel, angel, and angels in the Bible, has always been to deliver deliver messages to to human beings on earth. Angels actually, uh, you know, uh, means messenger. And so here we see the messenger coming, delivering the message. The angel appears and issues instructions about uh, what is to be done to the tree. And the angelic message clearly points to what? Impending judgment. Chop down the tree, verse 14. The tree was to be cut, uh, cut down. The branches locked off.
1: Its leaves, leaves
0: stripped. Fruit, fruit scattered. scattered. And, and the beasts and the birds were to flee. So, so leave the stump, though, of its roots, he it says in verse 15. And the, and the stump, stump of the tree was to be left with its roots still in the ground. Now we, now we, know, we know, know that foliage, some, some foliage will still, still come up on a lot of them. Stuff. So this, this indicates that the tree, tree, though stripped of, of all of this, and, it and its greatness, will still be alive, and, and uh, one, one day will be, will be revived. revived. So, so it, says, it says, a band of iron and bronze in verse 15. So this protects the stuff to ensure the tree's survival here. Now, in verse 16, let his mind be changed. That's another metaphorical nature there uh, of the tree, Uh, and it's uh, the tree is a man, and what he's saying here, who will lose his sanity and his mental ability, will not exceed that of an animal. So uh, let seven periods of time pass over him in verse 16. This. State of being was for seven periods or seven years. So Nebuchadnezzar would suffer a complete and thorough chastening uh, from God through this experience. Seven years. The sentence is by the decree. Though the judgment is is, is from the angel, the angel was only bringing it from God. Only God was the sovereign king. That the living may know. In other words, here's the purpose. The purpose of the judgment uh, on Nebuchadnezzar is plainly stated, that the living may know that the Most High rules a kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and so it sets over it the lowest of men. That's the purpose. Pride comes before fall. And here Nebuchadnezzar had never gotten rid of this pride. God can raise kings up and God can bring kings down. And he's letting Nebuchadnezzar know this. Tell me the interpretation Nebuchadnezzar has or commands. And Nebuchadnezzar no doubt expected bad news from this. And so he wanted to know. He was bold enough to know. Curiosity was getting the best of him. God deals with prideful leaders. God knows what is in the human heart. It says in Jeremiah 17.10, I, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. He knows what's in our heart. We, we may hide it from other people. People, people, people may think that they're getting away with a lot of things. I mean, I mean it, it, it gets so... I enjoy watching you watch, watching use for a while. But doesn't it just turn your stomach to hear all of this garbage that they say and you know there's no way that they're going to bring it about. They're, they may go the other way. They just plan out and you've, they've even you know, captured it on certain things. And you see this. The Lord searches the heart. One day, we're not going to stand before God and, and be able to hide anything. I mean, here it is. In Revelation two twenty three. I am He who searches the mind and heart if people would only understand. Oh, I'm a believer. Why are you a believer? Because I joined this church. What about becoming a Christian. There's a lot of difference there. The king could issue as many decrees as he wanted. But what really matters here is heaven's decree.
1: And Nebuchadnezzar was about
0: to experience that, About to find that out. He was about to be humbled by the Almighty. God humbles us so that we will not maintain that spirit of pride, that attitude of pride. And it's for our best be And so in, uh, in chapter uh, 4, we see the, uh, the the vision being fulfilled. But Daniel interprets the vision. Look there in verse 19. That Daniel, his name is Belshazzar, was appalled for a while as his thoughts alarmed him. In other words, he knew what it meant. And he alarmed him. The king king responded, said Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. In other words, hey, don't keep it back, just give me the full force, I want to hear Belshazzar answered and said, my lord, if only the dream applied to those who hate you and its interpretation to your adversaries. The tree that you saw, which became large and grew strong, whose height reached to the sky and was visible to all the earth, and whose foliage was beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the fields dwelt, and whose branches and the birds of the sky lodged, it is you, O King. Oh my goodness. For you have become great and grown strong, And your majesty has become great and reached to the sky and your dominion to the end of the earth. In other words, you're on top of things you think right now. And in that, the king saw an angelic watcher, a holy one descending from heaven and saying, chop it then. You have gotten to the point where you think that you're in control of things. Where you think that you can do your own thing. Where you think that all of this has come about is because of you. Chop down the tree and destroy it. Yet leave the stump and its root in the ground. In other words, hey,
1: bring the person
0: to the point of humility. But with a band of iron and bronze round it and a new grass of the field, let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, or dew of heaven, excuse me, and let him share with the beast of the field until seven periods of time pass over him. Let this happen over a seven-year period. It will be a time of completeness. Seven is a time of completeness. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High. In other words, this came from God. which Which has come upon my Lord and the King. You've just been praising. My Lord and my King is the Most High. Well, He is the Most High. That you be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place be with the beast of the field and you be given grass to eat like cattle and to be drenched with the dew of heaven and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over you and over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. And in that, he was commanded to leave the stump with its roots of the tree of your kingdom will be assured to you after you recognize that it is heaven that rules. Therefore, King, may my advice be pleasing to you. Break away now from your sins by doing righteousness. Isn't it amazing? God's grace, His mercy, extended. You still have time to repent. Break what? Repent. And from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. In other words, you haven't been taking care of your people. You haven't been taking care of anybody except yourself. That's all you've been thinking about. In case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. All this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. Twelve months later, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. The king reflected and said, Is this not Babylon, the great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the my of my, my power and for the glory of my majesty. Oh what prideful state. You know this needs to be a warning to all of us individually but to nations should I mean God raises nations and he collapses. He lets them Be built up, and he destroys it. It's no different than here in America. Same thing with America. He can do the same thing. While the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, sovereignty has been removed from you. In other words, God has placed you there. Now he's taking you out. You're going to become what the dream said an animal. In other words, you're going to be humiliated. You know, humility, the second point in this message is very important. Humility is key to truly knowing who God is and worshiping Him rightly. People can come in with the wrong attitude. People can come in and go through the signs of worship. But I want to tell you, unless we're humble before the Lord, we should every time that we should, we come in here to worship, singing songs, looking at the words, hearing the message, praying, all that's involved in the message. We should be humble before God. Allowing us to come together. He's made it possible. He's the one who is sovereign. He's the one who's in charge. And, you know, nations need to come to their knees and realize that Yahweh God is the only God and He's the one who's in charge. They didn't. We didn't make this nation great. God worked through the people to make this nation great. And then it says, but at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven after it, Become like an animal. My reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. Many believe that he came to know the Lord. And all the inhabitants of the earth were accounted as nothing. In other words, hey, I found that. We're nothing before God. What a great lesson to learn. But He he who does according to His will in the host host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. In other words, we're not going to have God be forced into any situation that He doesn't want to be in. We shouldn't pray that way and we shouldn't think that He'll follow us that way. Come on and join us. And no one can ward off his hand. He is going to be sovereign. He's going to be in control. Or say to him, what hast thou done? In other words, uh, who are you? You talk about God who? You know, I heard one governor on news who uh, uh, made a comment along the line about this COVID and, and uh, said that Now, God didn't have anything to do with this. It was us who corrected this thing. That paraphrase, but basically what he was saying. In other words, don't give God credit for this. Well, we better get on our knees and give God credit for anything good that comes out. At that time, my reason returned to me and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom and my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished in my sovereignty and, and surpassing greatness was added to me. And I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the King of heaven for all his works are true and his ways just and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. I know. But isn't that the way people come to the kingdom? You must come humbly. You must realize that you can't get into heaven. I don't think it I don't I don't care if it's a little child. That's basically what they're understanding when they say, I want Jesus as my Savior. In other words, I can't get into heaven on my own. I humble myself. I know that was mine when I was a teenager. When I was going through different... And the Lord was allowing me to go through these different experiences. And it seemed like it was just trouble after trouble. Difficulty after difficulty with nothing that had any meaning in life. Nothing that that meant anything. You know, I wondered, what's the purpose of and He humbled me and brought me to my knees to the point where I saw that Christ is the only one. Humility is a key to worship. Let's Father, I just want to thank you for your wonderful love and grace Especially, not only just Your grace, but Your mercy. Lord, I'm, I'm not prideful in the sense that I, I think that I should make it to heaven cause of the good deeds that I've done, the things that I haven't done. I know I'm a sinner. Just saved by grace. And Lord, I can't get into heaven by anything that I might do that I might think is good. I fall short of your holiness, your righteousness. But I thank you because in your grace you gave me what I didn't deserve and in your mercy you didn't give me what I deserved. And God, I want to thank you for all this. And I know that you're the sovereign God, that you're the one above me all things, that you're all powerful, all-knowing, all-caring, long-suffering, merciful, graceful, loving. God, thank you for this. And I just pray that people who are lost without Jesus Christ, not only here in America, but throughout the world, will begin to understand It might mean that judgment has to come because that's the only thing that will bring us to our knees. But Lord, for those that will turn to you, if that's what it takes, we just pray that whatever it takes, whatever you so desire, I mean, you're the one sovereign. You know what's best. I pray that it will be that where it will humble us and we'll realize that we need you. And I know that in the end times, many people, it's going to get worse and many people will not care and not be humbled and their hearts will be hardened and they'll just get harder and harder rejecting every uh, judgment that comes upon them. But God, I know that there will be some who will turn to You. And I just pray that, that You will be glorified through it as I know that You will. Help us to glorify You. In all that we face, whatever trials there might be, whatever situations we might face, may we let others know that there is a God who cares for us and cares for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's thank God's dealing with your heart yourself. your not you come?